Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We are continuing through the Gospel of Matthew. We're in the fifth chapter, uh, the fifth, sixth, and uh, seventh chapter, remember, are often called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's really a teaching, and Jesus is sitting on the mount, okay? He's sitting on the side of a mountain. He's not sitting on some pinnacle looking down upon everybody, but he is sitting on the side, and his disciples had gathered together to him, those that were learning. And then the crowds were gathering. Some of the crowds were disciples, but a lot of the crowds were just people that were along for the ride because they were amazed by what they were seeing and what they were hearing what they were experiencing uh, through this teacher. So we've seen already that Jesus told him, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to abolish the prophets, okay? But I came to fulfill them. And that's a big, big thing. At the very beginning of this teaching time, he gave them the Beatitudes, the blessing, right? Blessed are those that do this and that. And then he comes along and tells them, you know, you're the salt and light of the earth. You need to live this way. He tells them that he's come to fulfill the law. Then he starts dealing with some things. He says, but your righteousness has to surpass the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Otherwise, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that just that would have rattled them because these scribes and Pharisees, they honored their righteousness. Man, they, they thought they were the most righteous alive. Then nobody could be more righteous than they were. And Jesus is saying, no, you've got to be more righteous than that. And what he's letting them see and what he's trying to lead them to understand is that the law is not adequate. Okay, The law is good. The law did what it was supposed to do. It pointed towards sin. It defined sin. But if you're resting in your ability to fulfill the law, it's not going to happen. So he starts giving some examples in, in verse 21, which we've already covered. He says, you have heard, and this is the little thing that he says over and over. You've heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. So he's quoting the Ten Commandments, and he's referring back to the time of Moses. When Moses received that, the ancients, it had been hundreds, thousands of years since that had happened. And so he refers to that and tells them what to do. He says, you've heard you shall not commit murder. But then he says, but I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Now we're moving into another thing where he says the same thing. We'll pick it up verse 27. You have heard that it was said. So you see, here's that same phraseology, this same type of way of teaching. He said, you've heard this. You've heard this from the law. Now, remember what he's already said. He says, I've come to fulfill the law. And he says, you've heard that it has been said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So what is Jesus doing here? Is he throwing away the law? No, he's already said at the very beginning, no, I came to fulfill the law. Is he uh, doubling down on the law? <laughs> well, in a manner of speaking, yes, but not exactly. What he's doing is he's letting them see that it's not just by uh, ticking off the little check boxes of the law that you attain righteousness or that you live in righteousness. And this is the, very much the pharisaical mindset, the mindset of religious rulers and religionists. They'll sit there and say, oh, I have never 
committed adultery. I have never been unfaithful in that way. What Jesus is saying, if you have looked at a woman and lusted after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. Not only is it um, a matter of every jot and tittle that you've not done this, but if you've thought about this, then you are guilty of it. See, it's not just an issue of what you've actually done. It's an issue of the heart. See, what we do comes out and flows from the issue of the heart, right? So what does Jesus say to do about this? Oh, wait till you see this, okay? So the next two verses, uh, verses 29 and 30, is all we're going to cover today. Listen what he says. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Verse 30. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell, into Gehenna. So what are we to make of this? What do you think that Jesus is saying here? Is he literally saying, if something is causing you to sin, uh, uh, your eye, you know, your right hand, that you're to cut it off, and it's better for you to go out piece by piece that way? Well, what had he just said? He says, if someone lusted after her, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. In his heart. I think that Jesus is speaking here in hyperbole, very strong hyperbole. And what he's saying is this, is to get rid and remove whatever it is that's causing you to stumble. Okay? The thing that's making you stumble. And that, that word for stumble uh, literally means whatever is putting a snare in the way, scandaliza. Okay? The snare that's in the way that causes you to stumble. It also means to give offense, a thing that may be causing... Uh, an offense in your life or somebody's life. He's saying, remove these things that are causing you to stumble. Now, is, is he saying to literally remove your right eye? You know, some people have believed that through the years, particularly within the, the realm of sexual uh, temptations and things. There's been many, many, many godly men that have emasculated themselves because of that. Guess what they found out? they found out that it wasn't because of a particular organ part. It was because of what Jesus said in verse 28, committing adultery in his heart. It's a heart issue. See, Jesus is using this hyperbole and saying, get rid of this thing. Get rid of that eye. Get rid of your right hand. He doesn't mean to remove your eye and cut off your right hand because the issues, the, the problem is with the heart, and you can't remove your heart. Think about that. You can't reach in and remove the the physical organ, whatever it may be that's causing it, whether it's the heart or the liver, they viewed the internal organs like that, sort of the same. Yet that's not what the issue is. You need to get rid and allow the Lord to remove from you that which is causing you to stumble. And it's a heart, folks. It's a heart issue. He's showing them that really what the prophet spoke of, the stone-cold heart of the law, is not adequate to deal with these things. And he's going to be showing them, <laughs> as Paul described later, uh, let me show you still a more excellent way. He's going to show them that they're going to need a new heart. What the prophets say, that he's going to come and he's going to give them a heart of flesh 
rather than a heart of stone. Jesus is showing them, hey, you've heard it, what it said, you shall not commit adultery. And that's right. That's part of the law. But I say to you, again, he's not doing away with the law. He's fulfilling the law, and he's revealing to them that the issue is a heart issue, and the law never was and will not be adequate for the transformation of the heart. And that is what Jesus does, is that when you believe, when you repent, confess, and call upon the name of the Lord, when you're baptized for the remission of your sins, it says in Acts, you know, that's sort of a real issue. I'm going to probably get into that some more sometime. But there's a lot of people who are believers. They claim to be believers, but they've never been baptized. They're rested upon a baptism that they received at the behest of somebody else when they were infants. Okay, somebody did this and said, okay, years later they said, oh, no, you've been baptized, so you're okay. That's not the way baptism works. Okay, that's not what you see in the Scripture. I know the arguments, folks. I know this. I know that. Yeah, that's not correct. And we're actually leading people astray. It's a matter of the heart. So if you've repented and confessed and called upon the name of the Lord and you've been baptized for the remission of your sins, then you've received a new heart. And when these things come our way from within the flesh or from without, we call upon the name of the Lord and he protects us and he rescues us. And day by day by day, we grow in his holiness and in his righteousness. Well, again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time. I'll see you in the next episode.